This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined in the studio by... Me, Roshan Kennison. Uh, we're going to be talking about influencer marketing today and whether or not it still has... An influence, I guess. Ha-ha. Uh, was, that's not my pun. Somebody else wrote that, but I'll, I'll play with it. Uh, now, the last decade uh, was a peak for people with influential personalities. They've been telling consumers what to think, what to do, uh, which some people have been calling influencer marketing, as we know. But lately, a new trend uh, called de-influencing um, is taking over social media platforms for some people. What is it all about? Well, we'll be taking a closer look on what the trend is and analyze some of the research and some of the findings to dissect whether consumers are being detached from influencer marketing. Uh, we'll be joined in the studio by Eugenie Chan and Sarah Leanne. They are the co-founders of Supergood, a PR and influencer marketing agency. And if you want to get in touch with us to discuss all of this, get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018-789-8899. And we're also on Twitter at BFM Radio. Rich, this sounds like uh, like you're super excited about this topic. Um, the influencing has taken over TikTok over the last month, I want to say, or last few months. Mm. It's a term I've heard bandied about, something I've now not really uh, looked into. But before I looked into it, I just assumed it was about, you know, a kind of proxy protest against influencers in general mm -hmm. and the influence that they hold. Mm. I was wrong. So, influencing is really about influencers using their the influence that they've built to talk about things that are overhyped, it seems like, right? Like, don't buy this, buy these things instead, or giving negative reviews, essentially. Mm. It sounds like a little bit of old school YouTube as well, but maybe I'm giving away my age there if I start mm. talking about that. Uh, but the fact is, these influencing videos have gained millions of views, yeah. um, and there's a lot of questions around why this is happening. Now, um, according to Influencer Marketing Hub, a lot of people believe that influencer marketing is at that stage where it's now overdone. Uh, and influencers have constantly pushed out trends and products that people, quote unquote, have to buy. Uh, and this has quickly resulted in shopping addictions and overconsumption to keep up with some of these trends. People getting stuff from the stores, trying them on, sending them back, causing a whole bunch of problems. Now, by this point, you might be wondering, what's the difference then, as I pointed out a little earlier? Uh, the biggest one here is that in influencing, most create, uh, creators are sponsored by brands to promote products, right? So I think that's the key part here. Mm. Uh, but for de-influencing, it's the reverse kind of situation where content creators are not bound by brand sponsorships, and they choose to be honest and sometimes critical about the negative aspects of a product. Mm. Now, I mean, just... Looking at that, it, it all, a lot of times feels like, so this is really about the commercial aspect of it. So then how do you commercialize de-influencing? That's another big question there, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you then avoid things like defamation and um, other kind of legal things that might be a problem? Now, other things is we should why we should be paying attention to this uh, trend. Because 90% of Gen X consumers would be willing to spend 10% more for sustainable products. And this could impact your existing marketing efforts. Mm. And if we take a look at some of the current trends, a study done by Aspire.io in 2022 found that nano-influencers, and these are influencers between 1 and 5,000 followers, uh, have an almost 4% engagement rate. Wow. Uh, and this is double the engagement rate that you know, some of these mega influencers with over a million followers have. And brands are shifting their focus to some of these smaller creators as consumers begin to value this idea of authenticity a lot more. And I think we started to see that 
during the pandemic when people couldn't go out and show us these wonderfully lavish lifestyles. <laughs> and it was just about being at home and using what you have at home. To, yeah. And it, it did, and also, if you, you go back, influencer marketing started from the same kind of seed, right? It was people around us or we, we who we related to and we then trusted over time word of mouth word right? of mouth were mm. then telling us um like they, let's look at mkbhd for example mm. right marcus brownlee massive following on youtube easily the biggest tech reviewer on the planet um and he's built this reputation of yes these are things i like and these are things i don't like although he doesn't do the hard sell so maybe what we're seeing here is a protest or a proxy protest against the hard sell influencing that we've seen in the past. How is that different, though, to them saying, don't buy this, buy that instead? Um, well, that's why we have experts to talk exactly. about that in a we'll bit. We'll have a discussion about that in a minute. <laughs> Question then, um, I guess for you guys uh, sitting at home is, who are you influenced by when you decide to buy something? Is it influencers? Is it advertisements? Is it the people around you? Let us know. Get us via our WhatsApp number, uh, U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899. Of course, we will be joined in just a few minutes by Eugenie Chan and Sarah Leanne, the co-founders of Supergood. Uh, we'll be back after these messages. First up, it is Incubus with Wish You Were Here on BFM 89.9. Burning for more. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined in the studio by... Roshan Kennison. And of course, we've now been joined by uh, Eugenie Chan and Sarah Leanne, the co-founders of uh, Supergood, a PR and influencer marketing agency, to help us go through some of this stuff that we might not be uh, 100% sure about. Um, <laughs> definitely shouldn't be influencing anybody's decisions. If you uh, had any issues with anything we said earlier as well, yeah, uh, please, let us know and we'll get please <laughs> Sarah and Eugenia to correct us. Certainly not experts on this, but if you have any questions for these guys um, or, you know, anything to do with this topic, let us know. Get us on our uh, U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018-789-8899. And of course, we're on WhatsApp at BFM Radio. So welcome to the show, guys. Hi, Eugenie. Hi. And hi, Sarah. How are you? (laughs) Really nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you for getting here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dealing with the uh, Mid-Valley substation uh, drama there. So uh, good luck to anybody who's uh, got a power cut. A little bit chaotic over there right now. Very crazy. Okay, let's let's get straight into things then. I mean, you obviously heard uh, um, us and do our introduction there. Mm -hmm. Uh, what the first question we've got then is that market research from uh, the firm GWI, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they found that the number of Gen Z is interested in uh, influencers has dropped mm-hmm. uh, around 12% since 2020. Mm-hmm. There's even a hashtag, you know, de-influencing, hashtag de-influencing, with 155 million videos, and that's growing steadily. So this phrase, um, influencer fatigue, has also been thrown around. What do you think about people losing interest in, in influencer marketing? Um, I would say, I think you guys mentioned earlier about the emergence of TikTok and how that's been, you know, wildly popular. <laughs> I really believe that the trend is really democratizing the the access to information. And so when you start to demystify all the things that Hollywood has done and then these special influencers, now you want to get to the layman mm. and be able to just connect with people because we have lived, you know, the the... The, the curtain behind, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The smoke and mirrors, and you, and then you know, we have these reports where people just buy these clothes just to sell them, or you know, mm. just to return them, just for this look, and it doesn't feel authentic. Mm. And so, of course, the emergence of the protesting of these de-influencers co- are coming up, and they're saying, 
hey, I'm just standing here, no makeup, and I'm talking to you about this stuff. And so you see a lot of people talking about the process and what, what they got, where they're at. And, you know, someone like uh, Eugenie had mentioned earlier, yeah, Shabazz, Shabazz. This, love Shabazz. This, this uh, teacher from the UK that, you know, puts on this little onesie blanket over his head and starts making fun of you know, influencers that have like different ice trays <laughs> yeah. for yeah. ice, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's hilarious, but it's so honest. And when you understand his platform, you're like, oh, my goodness, I love you even more. Mm-hmm. And so I think we start to get uh, annoyed with this faux, this this mock thing. People can hire stylists and, and people to make it all pretty, but it's so fake. You still don't mm-hmm. get to see the real person. So mm-hmm. I feel like the de-influencing is such a great trend. Mm-hmm. That being said... Like, so one of Shaba's latest video is that this lady cut up these roses, put them in balloons, put in ice, and then, you know, then it froze, it came out, and it's just like, she put it to decorate her champagne. And I was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> but yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's, that's also a great idea. Like, yeah. and oh, wow, I do actually quite like those ice cubes. So <laughs> on one hand, it's, uh, it's just entertaining. And it's just that I think we are all attracted to uh, content, well, which is why satire is such a big thing, right? You know, it's just lays truth in a funny way. And mm-hmm. we're kind of like, making fun of it. But that being said, there's so many different styles of de-influencing. De- mm. um, and of course, I think the ones that are not tasteful are the ones that, you know, potentially, you know, as you said, criticize another mm. product and put other people down, which mm-hmm. is yeah. never a nice thing yeah. in, in general. Yeah. Overall, it does feel a little bit like a deconstruction of influencing, right? Taking it back to where it started, which was very real, very honest, very relatable content, which then got bigger and more money was put into it and it became a beast of its own. Mm-hmm. Now, that that being said, um, advertising and marketing is a big part of business, right? And in the day, you're trying to get eyeballs. That's what you're doing, right? So if this person is able to convey a message better, whether it's a nano or mega influencer, that's where you want to put your money to work to get attention. Now, we're seeing some reports as well. And this was a uh, Influencer Marketing Hub's benchmark report 2022 that showed that on average, brands can earn around $5.78 for every dollar spent on influencer marketing. Uh, although we still uh, we see this working well for some brands, um, for businesses particularly, well, businesses for here in Malaysia, mm-hmm. how should they think about the kind of ROI they get from influencer marketing? Because it really is about trying to sell your product. Mm. Yeah, I... Um I feel like with influencer marketing, it's just like a division of uh, digital marketing. And with influencer marketing, a lot of it is about awareness. So I kind of relate it back to actually like billboards. Like when you see a billboard, you drive, you you get exposed to it, you understand it, but you don't really do anything. And so it's hard to really measure the ROI. But the only way to me, not only way, but one of the ways to measure ROI is probably, you know, people talking about mm-hmm. it, your brand really being infused because then your awareness is actually working. Mm. I think also it's very specific to countries. So every single, so I've just done quite a lot of work in Singapore as well and dealing with some of the influencer uh, influencers in Singapore versus Malaysia. There's a big difference in terms of how they create content, how they, uh, you know, go about what they are trying to achieve. And so I, I, I'm also doubtful of this particular data because where is it coming mm. from? What is it measuring exactly? Because from market to market, brand to brand is absolutely different and what works for your brand. Mm. So it's a lot of trial and error, actually. Um, and But I think 
to, in general, it's do what's authentic to you mm. at right. the end of the day. Because something like a $5.78 spent, that kind of ROI, it's, where is it? Is it in the US? Is it in Malaysia? Because people are willing to pay, pay, pay more in ads uh, in dollars in the States versus you know other markets out there. Um, the thing I want to go back to what you were saying was um, it's about awareness, right? Creating awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you talk to clients about that? Because I did a very short time trying to talk to people about the importance of gaining some kind of uh, indirect awareness, right? Some things, these things aren't uh, tangible, but you're doing, people want to say, oh, what's the social listening data showing us? Are we trending on Twitter? What kind of mentions are we getting? How do you talk to clients about the need and importance for awareness specifically? So I'm a big data head, so I love like, oh, you know, perfect. Okay. yeah, so I do love <laughs> listening tools and I love all of that. But there, so those are like the quantitative measures that you can put in place, whether the likes, engagement, reach, all of that kind of stuff. But there is a qualitative aspect as well. And I think that is where the the organicness of an influencer comes into play. They're human people. Mm. I've been managing um, talents for the past 10, 12 years. And it's very fluid. It's creative. Mm. It is It is not, you know, this person is always good, die, die, they're always good. Like, there could be something that happened to them, and they create a campaign that is so meaningful and so beautiful, and then that becomes something that people talk about. So when brands want to work with influencers, which they do because that is the trend, and, and you know, we're more than happy to support that, um, they have to also be careful about just trying to push their narrative through a person because you have to remember Correct. it is a person. That's what I was going to ask you, and, and I've seen this happen, you have a brand uh, approach an individual because they like that individual's content that they've created, they like their personality, they, they like all of that stuff, but then they're pushing their agenda so much onto this influence, this client, that it changes everything that they do and it becomes less of a message and less honest. And even the influencer is left going, why am I even doing this anymore? Because <laughs> this is no longer my brand. I've become something else, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I'm you like, see this often? Yeah, I'm like nodding my head profusely <laughs> as he's talking because that's exactly what happens. You yeah. just think, oh, okay. And so that's I'm, when it becomes less authentic. Correct. So, the, you know, what will happen is that a brand will, you know, engage a media agency or an ad agency and mm. then they've created creative and then now we just want you to execute and I'm like these people although you know we jokingly say they're walking billboards they're not they're not billboards Mm. they have their own kind of audience they have their own brand and they know what works and what doesn't Mm. so if you want to just push your agenda and you are inflexible um, Mm. it may not do so well Mm -mm. and I think companies out there who are approaching influence need to really understand that Mm -hmm. I think and there's a real disconnect sometimes absolutely okay uh, just before we take a break though um in that report that you might not be so keen on some of the, the data of, mm-hmm. it does say, though... <laughs> Take everything with a pinch of salt. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That 5% of marketers are expecting to spend over half of their marketing budget on influencer marketing. In reality, though, how much do you think um, businesses should allocate to influencer marketing in, in their budget as of 2023? Because yeah. I'm sure it's changed over the last couple of years and... Okay, so I'm old school a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're always fighting about and, budgets. <laughs> okay, like, so I'm, I'm curious I to see like, what she's going to say. My PR budget is so like, why is it diminishing? This is not fair. But um, <laughs> it really is dependent on the brand, 
right? Mm. For some brands, so for example, if you talk about a lifestyle brand, obviously, you know, where are all my, where am I going to find the latest information? And I want to see who is wearing the, that particular perfume or, or, you know, something visual, piece of clothing or whatever it is. Obviously, those brands are going to have slightly higher uh, marketing budget on the influencer side of things because at the end of the day that is where their audience is mm. so i think uh, going back old school and i always believe you know integrated marketing communications for those of you who still remember that from yumi mm. yeah yes yes i do it's all about that 360 mm-hmm. uh, point of view what are you doing with your paid your earned your uh paid owned earned oh, am i getting this right yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and using that combination to get the maximum reach that you can and obviously because I'm from PR side <laughs> I will say the message mm. uh, that really drives it home so I can't tell you that I don't think it's fair to say a blanket that this is the amount you should spend of course again half your budget of are we talking about Nike's budget or are we talking mm. about <laughs> are we talking about a small mm. uh, startup brand's mm. budget Right. Obviously, 5% of a small startup brand or half of the small brand's budget, maybe that makes sense. But obviously, if you're talking about a giant, then it's a different story as well. Yeah, I guess it also depends on the stage of the company, right? So someone like Nike probably has an established marketing presence. Where else, if you're a candle maker, you're a candle startup and you're looking to get the most bang for your buck, maybe influencer marketing, nano marketing, maybe where you want to put more of your money towards. Uh, You said something that I just want to touch on very quickly. Mm. Paid, owned and earned. Yes. Um, I've heard this. I don't understand what this means. Uh, I'm going to guess that paid is the marketing you pay for, Mm -hmm. owned is the assets that you own sure and the last one is earned, earned so yeah. reviews that you get well, from right third now, parties well right now we're getting some uh, good uh, earned media for super good that's here that's right thank you <laughs> influencer marketing right here <laughs> so how would you how would you describe paid owned and earned and their functions to mm. uh, to clients yeah um just like what Eugenie said, it's a 360 model, right? So when you're looking with influencer marketing, it's only one, like I mentioned, one aspect of digital marketing. There's so much more that goes behind it. There's the PR part, there's the pricing part, Mm. there's, you know, the message. And so when you get an influencer to, let's say, hey, come shop at this place, this, this place, um, this shop just opened. Well, when people get there, what's the pricing like? What other promotions are you doing to support that, right? And so when we talk about earned, owned, and paid, um, you got to think, how are we supporting this message? How are we able to look at this opportunity in a way that can support your direction? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you mentioned, even the stage, absolutely. If you are already, you know, this this luxury high-end brand, you know you don't have to do that much. People Mm -hmm. are waiting just to be associated with you. So you have a bit of, um, you know, leverage. a bit of leverage and also the kind of marketing or kind of way you're going to be using influencers is going to be very different than someone that just, like you said, just made some candles and needs to like seed them out to everyone, right? Mm. Like a small business. So mm. the strategies are very different. And so, you know, paid, earned and owned is also going to be very different. I think you need to backtrack to, again, who is your audience? Uh, where are they at? Uh, so just to, just to break it down for you, again, Paid would be, yes, stuff that you pay for, i.e. that goes into all your digital, like, so for digital, you've got your SEM, your search engine marketing to get yourself on Google versus I would say earned would be your SEO, right? Which would be your creating content that actually people want to see. 
Um, you've also got the influencer side of things where sometimes we seed products to, we call it seeding, yes, we give <laughs> products to uh, certain individuals that we think that they will love the brand and, you know, we're just giving it to them. They're reviewing it on their own accord. We have no say in how they're supposed to present it. Of course, we provide hints <laughs> as to what we think they quote, should, or we quote, hope, hope, they will, hope they will um, post, right? Versus a paid version of an mm. influencer where I will dictate, this is the brief, mm. this is what I want you to post, this is how I want you to post it, um, etc. So again, it's, it says the paid, the earned, and the owned obviously is what are you putting out on your own content. And I think going back to different people People just consume content differently, mm, right? Mm. And you can't say that all my, the only place that my audience is going to be is on, you know, looking at influences. Mm -hmm. You can't say that, right? Yeah. So the more, the bigger you are, the more channels you probably need to use. It's just about where's immediate, where's your audience? And again, it would be nice to have a, you know, huge budget <laughs> and spend on multiple <laughs> channels, but you know, of course, that would be the ideal, mm. and uh, but that's not Hold reality. that thought. Let's talk about money when we get back. Uh, we're going to take a short break, folks. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us to help uh, discuss or push forward this conversation, get us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018-789-8899. Twitter, we're at BFM Radio. May, we know you're, uh, you've sent us a message. We'll get to that in just a few moments. We've got some music coming up from Led Zeppelin with Black Dog here on BFM 89.9. Benchmark for Managers, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm in the studio with... Roshan Kennison. 12.38 here in the studio, of course. We've been discussing what we started off with, uh, something about de-influencing. We've moved around a little bit, but we will get back to it. Uh, the last decade uh, was a peak for people with influential personalities. They've been telling consumers what to think, what to do, uh, which, of course, has been labelled influencer marketing. But lately, this new trend called de-influencing is taking over social media platforms. Uh, we're in the studio with Eugenie Chan and Sarah Leanne, the co-founders of Supergood, a PR and influencer marketing company. And we did ask if you had any questions or any statements to get in touch with us via our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, which was is 018-789-8899. Question here from May, or rather a statement from May. Uh, it says, hey, Rich, hey, Roshan, May here. Well, for my husband, he buys more tech and guitar-related items uh, more than I do with art and food. Uh, we watch YouTuber reviews, food, tech, and music and guitar stuff. We normally uh, will see what they have to say, then we do some more research online about the product and make the decision ourselves based on both the reviews, the outcome of the review, and our own research. I think that's this the sounds like how I things. research tech before. Yeah, exactly. You know, watch 700 videos from Marcus MKBHD and then. That's it. And I will sit there and they'll add to my playlist and I'll watch 50 before I've decided, probably after video number three, that I'm already buying it. You know, that's <laughs> normally where I am. Of course, uh, we do have Eugenie and we do have Sarah with us and we have a whole bunch more questions. So uh, earlier, I think we cited a study um, that was talking a little bit about the difference in engagement rates between big influencers and nano influencers. So one of the data points we have here is that nano influencers with, let's say, between 1,000 and 5,000 people uh, followers uh, have uh, almost a 4% engagement rate, which is double the engagement rate that mega influencers have with over a million followers. Um, immediately, this kind of sounds, is this entirely down to a scale issue or there other uh, factors that play into why a nano influencer may be more desirable for certain brands compared to the mega influencers? Um, yes, it is a scale thing in terms of numbers. 
also, you can look at it from a purity point of view.、Mm-hmm. They haven't been touched. They haven't been influenced. They haven't had money thrown at them. Purity, purity point of view. Purity. You know, there's some、oh, okay. innocence in coined, there. Coined, coined the new word. I love it.、Um, but also, I think when you know, we were just talking about how we're data heads, but there is there is a limitation to social listening tools. You don't know which events they're being invited to. You don't know who, you know, what other brands are courting them. You don't know how much of their influence is in there. So、mm-hmm. I think for myself with my agency, when we are looking for certain types of、um, uh, celebrities to to represent certain brands, like oh she's she's so great, she's really popular, and I said yes she is, and she's already a household name, but she hasn't been active in the past like you know、right. year or two years. So yes, she's got three million followers, but have you seen her content? Like. You know, she may get some nice stuff, but like maybe the quality of the images aren't good. You can't get that from a social listening tool,、mm-hmm. right? Or popularity, or、um, or scandal, or anything like that.、Mm-hmm. So I feel like with nano influencers, there's there's a sense of purity that that you <laughs> that you that、this. you kind of you know. Are welcome. You're working with. with yes, you're working what, with. What about the expectations then? I mean, if we we're, we're comparing、uh, influencers that have millions of followers、mm-hmm. compared to you know some who have between one and five thousand, when you look at the, and、uh, when I say quality of content, I mean、mm-hmm. just literally how it looks. Yeah. You know these mi- people have millions of followers. It looks fantastic because、yeah. you know they probably have a team and better cameras and and a nano influencer obviously won't look as great maybe.、Mm-hmm. Um, Does that affect the decisions that brands make? Hundred percent. But、right. I don't think that just because you're a nano influencer doesn't mean your quality is not good. R- agreed.、Yeah. Right. So I think it's you know even upon selecting influencers to be a part of your campaign, there has to be a lot more alignment. Right. And and you know if you're seeing someone on TikTok, they they have crazy hair and they're just like talking on you know like just holding their phone and it's like moving around. That could be their style,、mm-hmm. and that's okay for certain brands to say,、mm-hmm. "I want that rawness. I want them to tell me how my oil is amazing, and like how I just put this on, and you can see it in the light, and there's no filter." Sometimes people like that. Yeah, yeah. So you, it really is about brand alignment. Does this, does this influencer embody the brand that I have right now? Is there alignment in there? And I think that is really important because some people want it to be super beautiful and、yeah. high quality and crisp, and you know, with nothing. Nothing out of place, and other people are like, "No, I just want real. Like, I love this girl. She's real talk. Like, you know." So,、mm. I mean, I think that's that's what people can decide upon themselves. All right, which which leads us nicely onto the next question,、uh, Eugenie. When、mm. it comes to pr- picking uh, uh, influencers uh, to promote. A brand. What what things should businesses look out for to ensure that they're the right fit? I mean, Sarah just kind of touched on some there. Yeah, the right fit.、Um, you know, again. It really just depends what that influencer stands for,、mm. right? And that's where I guess it, there's so many around. There's so many influencers, and you cannot just look at numbers. And which is why it's very important for us.、Uh, usually, when we are talking to our client, also is like again, marketing one on one. Who is your target audience?、Yeah. Mm. Right? Always, I always bring it back down to that. And how well do you know? Don't give me like a spread, like oh. Everybody la, you know. <laughs> no, I've heard that, that is so many not times. Not your audience, because it's true. Yeah. yeah, I've heard this said before as well. Right? I want to go. My target audience is everyone. Everyone. No,、I'm、let's like, start. Let's yeah, start no, small. No. <laughs> so again, it's just 
strategies, different strategies, you know, engaging your micros, your your mid-tier, and also your macro influences. Obviously, macro is going to cost you more, so obviously you go one or two. So it's just getting that spread. And then again, with every single level, what are you looking for? So again, as, as Sarah said, you know, is it this gritty? Is it very real? So again, the brand also needs to know who they are. Mm. So who are you? Mm. And then therefore, who are the kind of people? What is the kind of like personality traits? What are the kind of styles that is going to relate? Because that's where my audience is going to be. Mm. And that's who they're going to, where they're going to. Yeah, maybe you can both give us a bit of a sense of the challenges. We've alluded to some of them here and there, but, you know, in one place here, um, the common challenges that businesses could face, you know, whether they're SMEs or larger uh, corporations, uh, when embarking on influencer marketing, mm-hmm. yes, um, in Malaysia in particular, uh, and whether you have any examples of ways to manage these challenges. Yeah, um, I, I wrote a few down prepared. <laughs> um, so one I wrote was not respecting influencers and understanding their market, trying to hard sell like we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, not communicating the brief accurately. So there's no misunderstanding of deliverables and expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, oh, but you know, your, your, your post got like 10,000. And I'm like, yeah, I was wearing a bikini. <laughs> you know, so I mean, there, there's diff- different types of expectations. Right. You have to look at the whole range of what this influencer. Like I said, it's human. What we, we're going to be connected to is going to be very different day to day, post to post. Um, also, uh, just under, not researching the influencer enough. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was working with this client, and um, they they were doing these high level treatments, aesthetic clinic, and you know th- these treatments are. Upwards from 5,000 to 10,000, 12,000. And they were like, oh, but we want these kind of influencers. And I said, but these girls are in their early 20s. Your audience is not going to be able to afford mm. it. This does not make sense. Mm. You need to find an influencer that's going to reach out to your customer base who actually can afford and put down 10,000, 12,000 to mm. any kind of treatment. Mm. If we're talking about 100, 200, yes, by all means, let's go to the college. Let's, let's talk to some of the students there. But if, if it's not congruent, it's not going to make any sense. And the last um, point I wanted to say was not allowing fluidity or creativity in the campaign. Mm. What would happen if you just kind of said, you just need to hit these points, you can't say these words, and let's see what happens. And that's the magic. Mm. That's, the, that's the magic of using an influencer and their creativity and thinking, what's inside their head? How can they make this work? And there's some really fantastic influencers out there that I'm just like in awe. I'm like, this is why you are making the big bucks. And this is why you're doing what you're doing because you're so creative. Imagine being stifled and say, no, we want like these kind of shots. Like then it would look like everything else. Why don't you just hire professionals and make a campaign out of it? You know? Uh, what about the, and this kind of relates to the, very quickly, the question that we asked earlier on of you, Eugenie, about picking the right mm. influencer. There's a lot of times when somebody might be a great TV star, they might be a great movie star or whatever, and they've got a big following because they are that person as a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And then you have companies coming to them expecting them to be influencers, you know. How often does that ha- happen? Mm. And how do you stop these, well, not stop, but like encourage these clients and you say to them, there's a big difference between an influencer and a celebrity sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I worked uh, with another agency in Singapore. So sometimes we also do a lot of supportive work with our regional um, partners. Yeah. partners, yeah. And so um, we were giving them the lowdown. We're like, yes, this person is got three million followers and she's fantastic. But I was like, have you seen her content? Do you think it's going to be up to standard with... Th- 
your clients, right. you know, expectations. So we do, you know, for us with Supergood, it's all about transparency. It's about all about, you know, giving the onus back to the clients, but giving them as much information as they mm. can to make better decisions. Mm. And so it's like, if you want to go with her, sure, but just be aware you know, buyer beware. And and you're right, there is a difference. Mm. You know, someone that, for myself, I grew up with more traditional media, you know, doing different kind of things. And when you expect me to, like, do some crazy transition shots, <laughs> I don't know if I can do that with my cap cut, you know? Yeah. So, you know, whereas other content creators, they don't know what it's like to be, you know, behind a huge stage or live studio. So their approach is going to be very different. And like I said, that is where the magic is. You just yeah. have to be aware and you have to research who you want to work with. Yeah, on that same note, I will also say though, you know, for example, you've just said, you know, allow fluidity and creativity. Yes, but I can tell you a lot of the influencers in Malaysia, for example, unfortunately, mm. and this is where the marketers will come to it to complain, like, you know, they just copied, you know, word for word, or they did not take the brief, or they've got grammatical mistakes. Mm. Well, then... But that's true to that influence, and maybe you shouldn't have chosen that influence in the first place. If if you were a gra- if you were a grammar Nazi, yeah. right? I mean, just don't don't do that. Then all right, we've got to take a short break, and we are running out of time. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes, though. Uh, do keep it locked here on BFM eighty nine point nine. And if you want to get in touch, our number again zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. We've got some music from Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. I love rock and roll here on BFM eighty nine point nine. But films, man, BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. It is almost time for us to wrap up on today's show, of course. We have been speaking about whether or not influencer marketing no longer has an influence. It is 12.53, and we're in the studio with Eugenie Chan and Sarah Liang, the co-founders of Supergood. They are a PR and influencer marketing agency. They've been helping us get through the mire of some of this stuff that we <laughs> are fully not aware of. But, you know, we're learning as we go along as well. Uh, and we do have, I guess it's one last question that, Roshan, you had in, in mind, right? Yeah, it's more of just taking a look at the future, right? So we have talked about uh, influencer marketing, de-influencing, all these different facets that come there. Now, as audience uh, preferences evolve um, and, you know, marketing evolves with that, how do you see the future or the landscape uh, for influencer marketing changing with that? And what comes next from here? Yeah, I'm going to just throw in two lines, right? The first one being influencers have always been around, Mm. right? Whether they are a celebrity, whether they're the president, whether they are, you know, again, what is your circle of influence? Uh, Richard, you are quite influential yourself in your own circles, Mm. right? Mm. Then the other term we're going to throw in there is message is the medium, Right. Medium is the message. But, sorry, <laughs> medium is the message by this Canadian uh, philosopher. And at the end of the day, platforms come and go, but the enduring part is still the content, mm. is the message. What mm. are you trying to stand for? And I think that's where when Sarah and I, we, we looked at some of our influences coming in as well. It's like, well, what is your point of view? Mm. Right. And I think that's the other thing when we are talking about brands and that partnership with influencers. What is as a brand, what is my point of view? And then finding influencers that match that same point of view. And so if an influencer does not have a point of view, it, that's when it becomes really hard to place. Mm-hmm. Because
because we have had people come up to us and say, hey, Sarah, I just want to be famous. Help me out. And you're like, well, what do you like? Yeah. Like, what's your passion? What's your... And Yeah, exactly. And just to add to what Eugenie's saying, you know, we've been also working as a talent agency. And so we've been managing people for the past 12 years. And people have come and gone. And for me, what's most important is how can you transcend platforms? Mm. So even when the pandemic hit and there was a lot of people that, like, oh, no, I don't have to do these TV shows anymore. Or I can't, you know, host these live events. But they were still very much needed in different spaces yeah. and they could support in very various areas. So the message, despite whatever platform you are on, whether it is TikTok or Instagram or Vine or YouTube, mm. um, whatever have you, microblogging, um, <laughs> these kind of things, you know, it is your point of view that's the most important and how people, how you tell your story uh, that's how people gravitate towards you, mm-hmm. how you're able to be open or honest. That's what people are going to come for. And are you guys looking at any platforms upcoming? Because I know uh, the makers of TikTok have released their own kind of, it's, it's a kind of like an Instagram, Twitter hybrid called Lemonade, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, are you guys watching out for any platforms out there or any mediums like live streaming has become really popular as well? Yeah, live streaming is extremely popular. TikTok is fantastic because you can actually make money off it once you have at least a thousand followers and you can you can already do sales. So so the the income that's generated is actually what pulls a lot of mm. the users on. And you want to find platforms where there's tons of users on there already. So TikTok is now amassing. It's becoming very quick. Um, in China, they have this thing called Xiaohongshu, mm. um, the little red book. Mm-hmm. And um, um, it once you load it up, it's like based on all your hobbies. So and visually, you can see all of that. And they also have live streaming as well. So people are starting to want to be more connected. Um, it's exciting. I can't list just one. I think there's there's just so many. But um, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting where this is going to go and how dependent we are going to be on these kind of platforms in the future. Thanks for coming in, guys. Absolute pleasure. Fantastic discussion. Great show. Great show. Time for us to wrap up, though. Did we answer the question? Is de-influencing a thing now? It is, right? Yeah, I think we answered the question. But more importantly, we talked about the state of influencer marketing and whether businesses should be paying more or less attention to it. Now, uh, don't go anywhere, though. Of course, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay coming up after the uh, news at one o'clock. G Capital Burhad is a transportation specialist turned utilities player poised to capitalize on Malaysia's renewable energy transition with power purchase agreements in small hydropower and solar power. The Breakfast Grill spoke with the executive director, Datuk Yap Yi Ping, on why GCAP is betting on renewable energy to bring the business back in the black. That's all coming up after the one o'clock news. Uh, We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow for Enterprise Biz Bites here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.